What's up, Super Creators? Thank you so much for joining me today on the Super Creator Podcast. I'm your host, Super Manny, and today I have an amazing, amazing creative to share with you guys. Um, someone who I've met in the creative space through, you know, social media and, you know, actually got a chance to connect in person. And since then, it's just been a growing relationship. So I'm excited to introduce him. So a little bit about our guest. Um, so the creative today is Angel Kiros, right? Kiros. Kiros, okay, I got it. A um, little bit of backstory. He's classically trained graphic designer, now a content creator. He's the director of marketing for Maliki Digital. That's probably where you'll know most of his like, recent work. And he's worked as a social media manager for US Elite and brand manager for English Laundry Fragrance. So he's got a lot on his plate and I have tons of questions. So Angel, what's up, brother? What's going on, man? I'm, uh, I'm excited to be on this side of the camera, you know, especially from the first podcast that we did, you know, where I was interviewing you. It's going to be cool to have it flipped around. Yeah, for sure. No, and that's, I still have that podcast and I've been like meaning to upload it. I'm just like, <laughs> but now it's perfect chance. I get to show the two sides of it. Hell so, yeah. um, Angel, as I mentioned a little bit about you, basically, so I'm going to get into the nitty gritty. We're trying to find out about you as the creator, um, a little bit of backstory, how you started, all these things. So first off, I, when I met you, I knew you as a, basically a graphic designer and logo designer. Right. So, can you get a little bit into that? Like, was that your first like creative endeavor? Is that how you started in the creative space or how'd that go? Well, at first it was really trying to find where my specialty was, right? Because you know how everybody talks about doubling down, double down on your strengths. When I was working for, for the fragrance industry uh, on English laundry and stuff like that, I was doing tons of graphic design work. So posters and marketing stuff for their Dillard stores, like nationwide and stuff. So um, I had kind of already done my due diligence in graphic design. So I figured that's where I would start kind of building my brand as a graphic designer. Um, as things kind of changed and I connected with more people, it was like, it was becoming more evident, especially um, listening to people like Christo. I know you're a crystal guy. Yes. <laughs> yeah, listening to people like him, he made it very clear that like in order to really win in this, you have to be able to become a business person as well. You can't just be a graphic designer. You can't just be a videographer. He has to be that plus a business person. So um, I was looking at numbers-wise, where should I go from here? How should I expand my brand? And content creation of video was like the logical next step. Definitely, definitely. That's dope. And actually, it's, I think it's a similar story with a lot of people, even myself, like graphic design was just kind of like a thing we did like back in school when <laughs> had like MS Paint or something, like we would play around with things. Right. And it, then it just like, you know, escalated. Even a lot of jobs that I had before were like graphic design. I'm just like, I never saw myself as a graphic designer. I just right. computer programs, you know, mm. I understood a little bit of design, like what's current. So yeah, and it's, it's really easy to kind of, uh, once you, let's say, learn Photoshop because you're becoming a graphic designer, it's easy to take those concepts and go into Premiere and go into all this other editing, you know, because design is a concept. It's a, it's a way of thinking. It's not really um, a profession necessarily because it's so broad. Yeah. It's just like if you're a designer, you can, you can design whatever you put your mind towards and put your work towards. Yeah, basically, it's just like, and that's, that's the important thing. It's good that you mentioned it because the creative part is the part that you can't teach is the part that you can't buy 
Yeah. That's why the creative is so important, right? I was having this conversation with a good friend and, you know, people are always bashing like, oh, it's the camera. I can click the shutter or (laughs) I can pay somebody like on Fiverr. And it's like, yes, if you want a product, if you want a thing, Mm -hmm. do that thing however you want. Right. Want quality work that's going to uh, give a message that's going to speak your brand that's going to be like you know remembered for centuries you need a creative person behind that's so true i'm so i'm so interested in that conversation because on the one hand there is a truth behind the fact that technology is slowly shrinking what we're able to do as creatives just like on the fly with apps you know they have the photoshop illustrator premiere app now but at the same time there's still people that you need that have, like you said, that, that eye for it, the, the ability to put together a brand strategy or the ability to say, this is what's best for this company and be field experts, subject matter experts within that industry. Yes, definitely. So then you touch up on, we're going to keep up with that point. And so, cause you definitely, I know you transitioned from graphic designer into content creation and it was basically like, it was, kind of a no-brainer it's like the next step this is what's gonna go but what really made you do that shift I think I know the answer but I'm gonna let you <laughs> um it's hard when you're a freelance graphic designer to get people to pay the appropriate price for a logo and um it's nothing against clients or anything like I totally understand why they wouldn't but the process of let's say creating a logo perfect points it's so funny that we're both wearing these shirts but like the Superman logo is yep super epic and every time you look at it you can feel a whole franchise behind it and so the amount of depth and the amount of simplicity at the same time that goes into making a logo it's something that people don't really start to understand until their company is growing to a certain level so when you're a freelance designer um, you're usually getting work from like let's say small businesses and stuff and they don't necessarily want a logo as much as they want like a cool graphic so I had to find my way to work my way into uh, let's say branding or strategic marketing so that a part of that could be the logo work so it's not like I don't do logo work anymore it's just it has to come under a bigger umbrella perfect okay so that was yep that was what I was looking for so then (laughs) um that's a very good point because I think now as like the creative industry is growing and like you said there's more apps there's more people like jumping on it and you know especially like with entrepreneurship I feel like create create being a creative and entrepreneurship is kind of like going the same route because it's like doing your own thing. Yeah, big time. Um, and it's that is such a cool point because uh, creative people traditionally and historically haven't necessarily been the most entrepreneurial minded, right? It's kind of like the, star, the starving artist is a meme and like a, I guess an archetype for a reason is because it's so true. And like, I mean, Nirvana, right? Kurt Cobain was such an artist that he deteriorated from his own fame. So like, it's, it's funny now we're being put in a position with social media and with the way everything works and technology is that we have to be able to do both. We have to be able to, and I've said this before, but we have to be able to be Picasso and Mark Cuban at the same time. Mm-hmm. And those are obviously extremes, but that's kind of the point. You have to have your left and right brain going. Yeah. So definitely then, like speaking on that, even as you mentioned, Chris Doe, you know, in the future. Chris, are you going to be on the podcast? (laughs) That would be amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But one thing that I learned a lot from them, and it's, you know, what we're talking about is when he did some coaching work with Melinda Lizzie. Yes. Whole course with her and like, kind of like. What a series, right? What an awesome series. Yeah. But 
what shocked me the most is that I think everybody relates so much with her because she's just in the middle local designer. Yep, that's so true. <laughs> and Chris was just like chopping it up, and now yeah. she went from like what I think it was like doing like five hundred dollar logos. Yeah, yeah, five hundred dollar logos. I remember because it was the same amount that I was charging, and then Chris was like, "What do you? Why are you wasting your time?" Pretty yeah. much. <laughs> and now, so at the end of that whole cycle, she ended up doing. 5G on consulting. Jeez. Wouldn't talk to anybody, right? And then, like, okay, now you want a logo? That's another 5G. Apart right. from brand strategy and, like, everything else. Right. I think, like, for creatives to survive nowadays, it really comes down to understanding the whole business. And I know you mentioned a lot. I always, you know, I always keep your Insta stories and tweets. <laughs> and, you know, you mentioned a lot that, Basically, the creative director or the one behind the content is only as good if they know the industry that you're working in. Yes, right? so true, man. So can you like double a little bit more on that? Because I know you definitely made that transition, and it's like it's a daily thing with you. Yeah, I think so. In particular, right now, I've started working with a, a company called Maliki, which is the, they do food equipment repair. So they have a group of technicians that they send out to uh, chain restaurants, McDonald's, Chipotle, stuff like that, and they fix their equipment. Um, so it's a very blue collar industry. And it, it, when I started working with them, it was more because I had a good relationship with the owner of the company. And then he kind of taught me the ropes of the whole industry. And mm -hmm. it was it was funny to me because I at first I was trying to think of marketing to them like I would market to like I would market a T-shirt brand or like I would market, you know, some sort of consumer product. But the more I'm going to their conventions and the more I'm interacting with these people, the more I was able to see, like, I need to market very specifically to these people because they, their um, understanding of what social media marketing is, isn't at the same level as, let's say, um, I don't know, the NFL or something like that, who's like capitalizing on all this stuff all the time. That industry is just getting into it. So without that, I would have never been able to be successful doing marketing for this company. It, it would have just been kind of talking to a wall at this point. Yeah. But because we, we weren't romantic about it, like Gary Vee says, you know, we were trying Facebook and Instagram and it wasn't working. So we were like, okay, where is the most attention coming from? And it just so happened that professionals running, you know, a, a five, $5 million business or up are going to not be on Instagram. They're going to be on LinkedIn. Oh, so we dived completely into LinkedIn and we've been doing LinkedIn and YouTube YouTube more so for the, the, availability, uh, the availability to host video, but yeah. um, LinkedIn and YouTube every single day for 365 days. And that's kind of been like what I've been on as the director of marketing there. Yeah, definitely, brother. That's amazing because like I mentioned, I see the transition and honestly, like who thinks of the food service repair like industry? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. That's why like, even when, when you started like, you know, working on the campaign and everything and I was just like, how much like you know how much content can they get out of this but obviously he's a it's a growing business um, big time always training new technicians getting new people on board um has huge you know uh chain restaurants as clients like all these things and right. i'm just man there's a there's this huge monster that's just working behind the scenes of all these companies and he's capitalizing on that it's very you know niche down but it's like it's like you said, it's a very specific market and like to get to them, it has to be very like spot yeah, on. Spot on. You can't, you can't be doing David Dobrik vlogs for them. 
It has to be like very cut and dry about exactly what they need to hear. A big problem that they're having is, you know, the blue collar field. We're having less workers coming into that field because, you know, the people that are our age, the guys that are our age or girls that are our age that are, would usually be doing blue collar work 20, 30 years ago are now doing what we're doing, digital work and, and stuff like that. Yes. So, but what we, what one of our main focuses is, is to kind of make this industry, I guess, sexy, right? To make it appealing to a, a young person to say, hey, you don't know if you want to go to college, do this for like two years, try it out. You're going to not be in debt. You're going to be making money while learning and you're going to be figuring out what you want to do with your life all while not wasting your time and taking like a gap year or whatever kids do now. For sure. So, so it was, it was super interesting to me. Like that was one of the biggest things that kind of pulled me into this field because I was like, man, I can relate with that so much. If there was another option besides college that was being forced down my throat, um, I probably would have went th with that other option. You know, um, kids nowadays are looking at responsibility in a whole new way. They really want it. So I think it's super cool that this industry promotes that so much. It's all about hard work and you know you put in what you get out what you put in and, and all of these great things and you're seeing that the, these companies there's no small company in this industry yeah. like we were one of the smallest companies there and it's you know a multi-million dollar company um but the manufacturers who are at the top i guess the top tier of who you want to market to um they're close to billion dollar companies you know and they don't they don't use they don't utilize social media anywhere near where they could and it was it was pivotal for me to get on get on this train right now while people are still figuring it out and kind of be that first person to the race of this no no and definitely kudos to you you've uh, from what i've seen it's been phenomenal and like thank you, you know even i'm still like man how would i have tackled the industry like i, I don't know if i would <laughs> uh, have to handle it but it's you know but you found you found what was working and you went like went for it and I definitely understand what you're saying about like that there's not a lot of people getting into the industry because technically before this whole entrepreneur creative wave those technical schools were the way to go yes like people who are just like I'm not doing college I'm not doing four years I don't want to be a doctor this is like not I can't use my time then there was like the DeVry University the thing it's ITT like, tech yeah. so all those schools because people were like all right I have to learn a skill Yes. I'm going to use to create a career path, you know, to that, offer some sort of value to society pretty much. So that's basically where the, right, the term, like the blue collar kind of workers are the technical jobs. Right. And people stopped doing that because social media and entrepreneurship and all that became, you know, such a fad and the cool thing, right. What the cool kids were doing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, big time. It was just it, the bar, the barrier to entry was, is so low now that why wouldn't you give that a shot? Um, but, you know, there's a real problem in, in the U.S. at large of not enough blue collar workers, not enough people to fix the plumbing in the city, not enough people to fix the light rail or the train. There's so many of these industries that are almost collapsing come 10, 15 years from now. There, there's not going to be anybody unless, you know, younger kids start to go into these fields. Yeah, and no, and they're huge. Like, the, I guess people, their jobs that I guess are like frowned upon in yes. this sense. But honestly, like, I've I've done construction work. I've like I think I've done every type of job. 
Right. I can say clearly that I do not have that skill set. No <laughs> well, me neither, man. That's why that's why I'm helping them look good, but I'm not necessarily, you know, fixing any kitchens. Yeah, no, no. Honestly, <laughs> I, I, like, I've tried, I've learned, I've worked beside people, and it's just like my head does not wrap around the technicalities of, um, I used to do like cheap rocking and like, oh, I'm wow. talking about like legit, like full houses. Yeah. Um, obviously the owner and like all the workers that have been there, they look at the house from the outside. They know exactly how many sheets of sheetrock they need. They know like we need twenty four and a half. Like yeah. a half to the, you know what I mean? And I'm just like, yeah. How you that part of my brain never worked either. I mean, my dad was a mechanic. He owned his own mechanic shop for like 30, 30 years almost, and um, I barely know how to change a tire. Okay. <laughs> you know, it's just oh, it's really missing. Tough. Anything that I've like learned, like even in that sense, like even with cars, forget it. I don't touch it. But like. I've learned only because I've been in emergencies where I can't pay somebody else to do it. Yes. And I got to like look it up and oh, I got to take out the radiator because I crashed it and put like, but besides that, like my head does not register. So those jobs, like I can't look down on a person who does any type of uh, carpentry and plumbing and, you know, construction work because that takes a lot of skill. Right. It does take a right. lot of skill. So, but like you said, I just nowadays it's not being glorified or not being even shown. Right. So it seems like, oh, you're just being lazy, you're just you're not going to school, you're not doing this. But it's not. It's it's well paying jobs. And I know the people in the industry get paid well. Right, right. And that's such a crazy point because like you look at people who maybe do technicians work. It's funny, the dynamic is super funny. Like when I go to film some of these technicians in the kitchens they're on their knees next to like fryers and ovens that are like throwing up fire and the the cooks or the the people that are working in the kitchens are looking at them like dude get out of my way but it's funny because the people that are there on the floor on their knees are making maybe twice or triple the amount as the people that are working in the kitchens for sure no i, I know and it's just it's it's the perception so it's definitely a beautiful thing that you guys are exposing that industry to a larger crowd and actually um you know teaching kids and giving them the opportunity because they're definitely great career paths yeah depending on how people want to look at it they can take it also as just a job like any other yeah. or they can actually make it their own business and entrepreneur right. and it's you know it's amazing i love that man yeah there's, there's opportunity there i can see that yeah big time and that's that's ultimately what made me gravitate towards it you know um I think that for for a while it was like my content creation was kind of centered around all right what looks cool and what doesn't as as opposed to like which message is gonna resonate yes. and I think I think that's something super important for people that are kind of coming up or just getting started with video or whatever it doesn't necessarily have to look glamorous or sexy it just has to penetrate the message has to get through yes. you have to evoke an emotion that's what it is <laughs> it's something like you know I'm, I'm I'm happy to hear it from both from your side also because it's something that I have had to learn a lot because you know as a creator you find your work and you're passionate about it and every pixel is important for you yeah uh, it got to a point where I had to you know create content or put out content that's in my sense it wasn't like a complete or uh, it was like but yeah. the message was there it was like it has to get out and the message has to be there it doesn't matter how much cool cinematic b-roll there is if there's <laughs> color grade you know like that like now right. it's like record it get the message get it out to the people 
Right. <laughs> yeah, it's so funny that you say that because a lot of the times us as creators, you know, like we'll, we'll be so hell-bent on trying to get everything to look cinematic that we almost forget like the art of storytelling. You know, the art of storytelling kind of over, overcomes everything. And um, for, I mean, it's been a struggle for me because I'll be so worried about, okay, how am I going to deal with this in post? Where's all my footage going to go? How am I going to splice it up? That while I'm recording and while I'm kind of, I guess, producing and telling them, oh, say this, say that, I forget that there has to be a narrative. There has to be a story to the whole, not only that video, but then your brand as a whole. Uh, so it's been, it's been interesting to kind of figure that out and to be able to do it for just one business. You know, I think that's a, that's something that uh, a lot of creators struggle with. But if you embrace it, man, it makes all the difference. Well, yeah. I mean, touching up on that point, um, I think it's important, like you mentioned, to know the, the brand's story and to keep it consistent. Because I, it's true, a lot, of, a lot of the creatives nowadays are freelancers, which means yes. they're working for everybody. They're mercenaries. <laughs> and it doesn't matter as long as you're, as you're paying the coins, you know? That's such a good um, way to put it. <laughs> but they really they don't connect with any of the brands that they're working with because they're doing one day shoots, maybe a week at most, you know? Or like, yeah. Okay. And that was, that was the hardest part for me of being freelance and being on my own with angel media and everything was the having to give my hundred percent to let's say five or six different clients and be able to capture that, that one nugget of truth that makes their brand special just with like a three hour shoot. Or just with like you know a weekly a weekly phone call or something, not being able to immerse myself in the in the products. See the behind the scenes, yeah. Because I, I can imagine like now, I mean maybe you can explain a little bit on that. Like working, I know you work closely with uh, Rich Malaki and yeah. like the team like in the office, so you get to see the day to day things that are going on besides the actual like in the field thing. So how how has that helped in your creative process or like creating content for them? I think at, at the center, it's just learning the, the company values, you know, and seeing not only what, what the, the brand message is, but um, learning what the company truly operates like and what they genuinely care about and being able to capture that with a creative voice. Because even though they may be saying it, the owner may be saying it, the employees may be kind of talking about it, there's something different about being able to capture it creatively and show it to the world. You know, think of huge ad campaigns like Nike. Um, what must the Nike environment look like when they're working and that they can come up with a campaign like Just Do It, even though I think it was a, a pentagram that came up with that campaign. Mm -hmm. but, but, you know, just how much did they have to immerse themselves in the Nike world to say, okay, this is what they really mean. Definitely, definitely. So, um, so, so you feel, or what you explained is that knowing the company culture and basically immersing yourself in that has helped the whole creative process because now you have a vision, you have a message yeah. and no matter what content you're shooting, the message is still the same. Yeah. It's been a game changer. And on a logistic level, it helps you structure content. It helps you think about what copy to write. It helps you think about how to, how to position every single person that you're filming, whether it be somebody coming in to do a podcast with them or, or how to produce a certain kind of, I don't know, um, like a, a what do you call it a, like an, an, a facebook ad or something like that that's gonna need that's needed to convert it helps you think of all of those things because had i not been involved in the depths of this industry for you know six months mm -hmm. um i wouldn't know how to um, essentially make that company money which is really our job as creators you know we have to be creative and we have to be um high level but we also have to bring in numbers 
we also have to bring in leads, whatever we, whatever, um, whatever goal we set for ourselves to achieve. Yeah. Cause yeah, as a creator, like you mentioned, and I think that's another thing that, you know, whoever's listening, learn is yeah. as a creative, our job is literally to take the business or the brand and take the consumer and just connect them. Yes. We're just that's, a medium that has such a simply perfect way to put it. So, and like you said, that's what brings the, the brand awareness and then the company can make money through that because of the storytelling. But a lot of times it's like the brand, the creator and his vision and his work, and then the, and then the client. So yes. never like they never meet, but I think like if we can transition and, and understand that we're that bridge, then it's a much smoother like creative process. Right. And that's why, like, I don't know, I don't know how you feel about this. So I'd be interested to hear your opinion. But that's why I feel like um, the almost the best place for a creator to be is working internally somewhere and being, let's say, helping the helping whatever company start a marketing department, as opposed to being freelance for other people, helping them build an ecosystem within their business that will actually churn out the, per the perfect content for them because you're a part of the company. And then from there, it can become a resume piece that you can use to move on to whatever else you want to do. But essentially, you built something from either zero to however much you're making them now, but you're building a leg of the company. I don't know how you feel about that. No, no, so definitely, I mean, in that sense, I think that has always been our role as creatives. Like even um, Christo, he expounded on a little bit, like a, what, what really a freelancer is, is somebody who is brought into the in-ground team. Mm. You're just not the full-timer, you know what I mean? Right. You're brought into the, the work in the office with the whole team, like feeling an industry. You're just right. not a full-time position. You might just be there for three months, six months. Right. Real freelance doesn't mean that we're just like, you know, shooting arrows everywhere. We're literally, it's supposed to be working for one company on maybe like a campaign that's going to last a certain time. Right. Yeah. I feel like that, that isn't talked about that much, you know, and, and I know what video you're talking about that he said that, but I guess it's something that I didn't, I guess I didn't keep, but that's such a good point. Like a lot of times freelance um, work will come in, let's say groups of three months maybe, or even like the shortest I've ever had a freelance job was like two weeks but you go into the company to be to assimilate to that company yeah. and put out what content is needed for them. So that's, that's super interesting. I never thought of yeah, it. Because a lot of times, you know, even like how he puts it is like, maybe for a certain campaign, you need that, uh, that logo designer, or you need that 3d artist or that yeah. one guy that knows cinema 4d. Yes. So you don't have anybody in your immediate team or your permanent team. So you bring that one guy in and then if he's needed, then he stays on and or if the project's done then you know that's, that's so true i think there's there's something cool to say about um being able to be that person and uh, acclimate yourself to whatever's going on in that situation um and perform well and actually give people the the digital asset or the product that they need um that's kind of why i've always wanted to stay away from like weddings and uh you know baby shower photography and all that stuff oh, I can't do it. I can't do it. <laughs> but no, no, and I think, and honestly, like, you know, speaking to all the people who are, the, who are out there as the starving artists, yeah. literally, if they are chasing the client per client, like on that kind of freelance base, it's going to be tough. You're going to be struggling. You're, you're, you're selling yourself 
so many times over and pitching yourself so many times. So, so true. you know, only for like that one week gig, maybe one month, you know, maybe a couple of days of that one day shoot, you know, for photographers. And it's tough because yeah, you can land one, a one day shoot. But what about the other five days? Right. So I have a friend, I have a friend who does that actually. He, he goes around the world. Um, uh, it's at, the name is Dan on Instagram. He's phenomenal. He goes around the world and literally when he lands in a city, he goes, Hey, I'm in San Francisco. Anybody want to shoot? And people will hit him up, but it's because he's built this reputation of being that. Mm-hmm. And um, I think it, it's way harder of a hustle and you have to make tons more sacrifices because you're literally, you're not ever home. If you want to make money, you have to be in a certain city. You always have to be out. You always have to be outside. Yeah. You have to be shooting, you have to be connecting. And you really, yeah, like you said, there's a lot of sacrifices because there's no set schedule. So yeah, your kind of personal life is like very, <laughs> you know, out there. Yeah. <laughs> But definitely, I think, you know, creative people should consider or really think about, you know, selling themselves or pitching themselves once to a company where they can stay at for mm. a long period of time. And then that way, they either grow with the company, stay with the company, or branch out to do their own thing or whatever the case may be. Right. Because even, Which, in, that, even in that sense, like, you learn a lot of skills. Like, all the jobs that I've gotten into as, like, a, you know, a graphic designer or something... I took it for what it was. And since I was doing the same work day after day, I learned that skill set, you know? Yeah. This is how you, you know, work with font in this text. This is how these colors work with this brand. This is how they do these pictures and these cutouts. And so it was like, I took that skill set to, you know, where I'm working now or wherever I'm going to be working. Right. And you're just accumulating knowledge of your, your, uh, your general area of expertise. Mm Mm-hmm. For sure, for sure. So I wanted to touch up one thing that I took a note of because you mentioned that you guys tried the Instagram route and the social media route, but you really honed in on LinkedIn. Yes. So I know a lot of creatives are not using LinkedIn. That's, <laughs> it's very like... It's that that's that's <laughs> why I'm there, man. That's why I'm there because none of you guys are on there. Distracting <laughs> <laughs> no, no, from my content. <laughs> honestly, like, so LinkedIn, from what I understand... I can reach out to the marketing director of Coca-Cola. Yes, Bam. exactly. And, that, and that's why it was so important for us. Um, I don't know what the question was, but I just want to say this. Um, in the industry that we're in, there's so many decision makers. There's so many people you have to get through. So we have a, we have a podcast and let's say we want to get a sponsor for the podcast. Yeah. We can't, we, I can't just call CEO Joe, Joe Schmo and be like, hey, you want to sponsor my podcast? Like it has to go through levels. It has to go through corporate and the corporate has to either approve it and give us like 2% of their budget for their marketing budget, which is like thousands of dollars, or they say, no, we can't do this. We don't want to work with you. But there's so many levels that the only way for us to kind of streamline connecting with these people besides networking with them at like a conference or something would be LinkedIn because as their name as their title and it's, and it's secure in that, like you can put anything as your title in a, in Instagram or Facebook, but LinkedIn, it's very specific and you see their colleagues. Of course. Okay. So then, so that was actually my question. If you can go more into like how powerful of a tool is LinkedIn and then how are you guys like using it to really like get the result? I mean, I know you explained a little bit, but if you can yeah. like, expound and maybe give a few tips on how creatives in whatever industry they're in can also mm. use. So I think the main thing of LinkedIn is having a diverse kind of content where like, let's say we're doing a video a day, right? But it's, that's our minimum. So we have uh, LinkedIn 
is cool because when somebody hits like on your post, it goes back to the top of the feed. And it shares it to everybody. Yeah. And so it's like, oh, there's new interaction on this post. Kind of like what Facebook used to do. I don't know if they still do or not. But that's one of the biggest benefits to us because as long as we can put something like a, a question or a prompt or some kind of call to action within, within the caption, it's, people are going to keep answering if they, like the, if they like the content. The other main thing on LinkedIn now, in order to become like a LinkedIn influencer is what they're calling it, um, is, is, yeah, that's like what LinkedIn is actually called. Yeah. Um, a big thing for that is articles because it solidifies your, uh, your expertise in whatever area you're in. So if you're, if you're constantly writing articles and then pairing that with videos, embedding videos into your articles, and then posting pictures on top of that, then you have a well-rounded resume and people are going to start interacting. Also, there's not, uh, I'd wanna say like Facebook is like a, the club that used to be hot in the 90s. Instagram is like the place where people are still going, but maybe it's more chill. And then like LinkedIn is just like the, the cigar lounge where people go to just like straight up talk business. They're in there for a reason. They're in there to relax, but also to find some interesting stuff and maybe connect with you. So the mood that you're in when you're going on LinkedIn is like, I need to, you're determined as opposed to LinkedIn, Instagram where you're just kind of being, uh, you're in escapism. You just want something that'll entertain you. Yeah. Oh, that's, yeah, that's for sure. And I know LinkedIn, I would say maybe a year and some change ago, introduced LinkedIn video. Yes. Now video content is like, is definitely being pushed, you know. Yeah. Um, through LinkedIn itself and then also not a lot of people are creating LinkedIn video content So it's like a huge like open Yeah, market. and that's that's one of the things that we decided we were gonna do uh, I decided early on is that we would make exclusive LinkedIn videos that would only be seen on LinkedIn um, Because like I said our whole audience is there, but let's say you're like a um, I don't know what kind of company give me a give me a kind of company uh, <laughs> car, car sales Car sales. Okay, let's say you're in car sales. Your LinkedIn audience isn't going to be the people that are going to buy your cars. Maybe it's going to be the people, the, the B2B customers that, that you need to build connections with as a business to thrive as a business. So let's say people to, people to sponsor your ads, people to um, market or uh, network with and the kind of connections you need to do. So you have to create content that's specific to those people. And then Instagram is, and, and Facebook in particular for targeted ads is a completely different thing where now you're targeting the people that ultimately are going to go to your, sh your shop and buy a car from you. Mm -hmm. So it's a, it's a very, um, I think it's really interesting because it's the barrier of who you can talk to is so much lower on LinkedIn. Like you try and DM somebody on, on Instagram and it takes them forever to answer if they answer at all. LinkedIn is very straightforward. Like, listen, this is what I want. This is how we want to do it. Are you interested or not? Yeah, no, and that's and that's great because I never really thought of LinkedIn as being that like place for like B two B and to kind of like you know even for ads, you know, for ads yeah. or um, sponsors. Yeah, LinkedIn ads are a thing that's, now too. <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong, man. Like, if I if I could have it my way, I would I would want Instagram to be our platform because it's just the cool platform. It's the cool place to be. But LinkedIn has just been, there's so much to utilize in LinkedIn for, for let's say a growing company over, over 50 employees or, you know, something like that. Well, yeah. And I mean, Instagram is, you know, going to the whole like social media route is it's where people, I think they just connect on a more personal level. So like, that's where like, 
you know, uh, Maliki cares and like just Rich himself, you know, like him posting yeah. himself and his day to day and you know his his family, like that brings the human side together. Yes, is like time. business, like let's get things done. So, yeah. So it's funny that you mentioned that because there's that duality of like what you should post on each one, but that's kind of what I'm, I'm trying to build for them. So we're trying to build a separate entity from the actual food equipment repair business. Um, that's pretty much going to be a digital agency specifically targeting the food equipment industry. Awesome. So I don't know if did, did that make sense? I don't know if yeah, I remember. Yeah. Okay. So pretty much our goal would be to find either other service companies or manufacturers and have them be our accounts. But in order to do that, we need to kind of build up our own profiles in order for us to have some leverage to even get started. So on Instagram, Rich Malachi is the entrepreneur of, of two businesses, you know, Malachi and the, the, this startup digital agency, but on LinkedIn, he's a, he's an expert in, in food equipment industry. So it's, it's kind of two, two sides of it because of the way the platforms are, I yeah. guess, you know, the way we engage with those platforms. But that's perfect. So you guys basically, so you're taking the same strategy and approach that you did to basically build up his brand and now yes. you want to use it to help other people kind of in the same industry. Yeah. You saw that they're lacking. Yeah. So it's cool. I could break down the funnel for you. I think that would be real beneficial to a lot of people, but um, essentially the, the free content is the top of the funnel, right? It's exactly where... You're, you're watching the daily video, stuff like that. The next part of the funnel is um, our Facebook group, our private Facebook group, and our private LinkedIn group, where people are from the industry who are enjoying what we're doing can come talk to us and talk to each other about how to incorporate digital into the food industry. Um, and then the lower funnel than that would be actually having us come out and do a video with you, collaboration, or maybe sponsoring a video if you don't have the time for that. And then the bottom, bottom of the funnel, which is what we're planning now, is to do like a mastermind event or a conference specifically for the food equipment industry and bring in digital marketing professionals to talk to these people about why it's important. So our main goal as the agency is to make sure that everybody in this industry understands the power of social and is able to capitalize it for their own brands and for the good of the whole industry, right? Because like I said before, it's all about getting these kids on board. So if we have all of these companies pumping out content, it's only a matter of time before kids are like, damn, I never knew that. And maybe I'll try this out. Yeah, for sure. No, no, that's, that's great. I mean, I'm over here taking notes, Crystal style. Nice. <laughs> um, I'm a horrible note taker. No, no, I, I had to learn. Right. <laughs> but that is fantastic because you're basically taking, like you said, an industry that's, that's actually huge. That's the first thing. The yeah. It's huge. But it's very like it's in the shadows and you guys yeah. are the first ones to be like all right we need to bring it back to the spotlight we need to like expose more people to it and yeah. even like that like you were mentioning to get like to collab with them is another way of expounding the, the whole industry as a whole right and to hold a mastermind and that kind of like niche down group is so powerful because i can imagine if i'm just in any of that you know the industry whether it's food repairs or um some other type of you know like blue collar company yeah that would be like the mastermind to go to like i'm not going to go to an entrepreneur one because that would only benefit <laughs> me as like the one person like you know the ceo or the head right but you know to, but to bring like the whole team down the whole staff and like have them like learn i know 
um, a little bit from a friend of the family of mine who's also Peruvian, but hmm. they're in the dentist industry. Oh, wow. And, and oh, they, so much money in that industry, dude. Uh, <laughs> I never knew. I never knew until I, like, I saw like every piece like that goes into it. But they have um, a convention every year. And they explain on like different type of, uh, what, they, what do they call that? It's basically the the mold that's used to make like the record of the teeth so that you know like what oh, kind wow. of denture you need and stuff like that. So yeah, they explain all these type of like chemicals like, oh, this one's easier to, to carve and mold and this is the new way and this costs this much. And so they have like their own little world. Yeah. I'm just yeah. like, how can dentistry be so like, it was funny because like <laughs> now that you mentioned that like when we when I was in Austin for this conference or this convention, there was another convention going on at the hotel that I was staying at. So I asked somebody, I was like, oh, so what do you guys, you know, is it like a work event? What is it? They were like, we're doing the Sharpie marker convention. It's everybody that's involved in the marker industry, Shut up. like specifically writing utensils. Shut I'm like, what? <laughs> that is so specific. It's not even funny. No, it's, it's ridiculous. But... Think about how many people are in that industry. Yeah. I mean, how many times in your life do you go out and buy pens, you know, whatever kids when they go for school every year, like they got to buy that. So like, it makes sense why it would be so big, but you never think of it as the kind of uh, industry that maybe has conventions and people yeah. get together. <laughs> yeah. Us digital people thought we made that up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, but so that's, that's the thing is that these, these industries and companies have been around and they've been doing this, but it's just so... They're still, I guess, not. They're still behind the times a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Not like they didn't jump the wave. They're still doing it very conventional. Very, yes. this is how we've done it for 50 years. We're just going to keep doing it like that. Yeah. I mean, it's funny the pushback that we've gotten. Like when we were at our first convention in, in Vegas, um, there would be people coming up to us all the time. Like I have my, my big camera with like the, the shotgun mic and everything. And they're coming up to, well, Rich. And they're like, so what are you getting out of this? Like, what's the ROI on this? Like, why are you even doing this? And it's a, it's a funny question because it's so logistical and so just like on the nose that they can't understand the long-term effect of building brand and, and putting out content. So it's something that we in our field, like we understand that it's just like an irrelevant truth. Like you're going to have to do this for a while to be able to milk your, your brand equity. Right. Mm -hmm. But for, for somebody who's been in, food equipment or plumbing for 50 plus years to have somebody all of a sudden vlogging them. Imagine the kind of world shattering confusion that they must be going through. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. Actually, I, I never thought of it like that, but it's true. Like for people in that industry, that's a whole different. That's for the Kardashians. That's what yeah. They're saying. <laughs> yeah, because like, you know, the whole vlogging style is like, it, there's a kind of a personal branding, but there's also making a brand personal <laughs> yes you know yeah, that's so good and that's what really people resonate with i think like even when you think about it when you think of any type of company like okay i'm gonna use an example like snickers everybody knows i love snickers <laughs> my thing and i i like all kinds of chocolates you know yeah all chocolate lives matter Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but something about the snickers branding whether it's a logo or the mm. you know just the, the thing about it, it resonates with me. So I can promote it. I can live it. I can explain it to people, you know, and it's just like something about it made it personal for me. Yeah. And I can resonate with, but I won't have that same attitude to Twix or, or Reese's. Or, <laughs> yeah, right. But 
when we think about brands, like when, when you like a brand over something else, some people right. are not Pepsi or Coca-Cola. A lot of times it's not about the taste. No. It's about the visual. It's about the branding. It's about like, honestly, like we, me and my brother had this fight. He liked Pepsi. I like Coca-Cola. <laughs> and we were always like, oh, it's because the taste, you know, Coca-Cola has more fizz. But honestly, you know why we liked it? Why? Like blue. <laughs> That's why he liked Pepsi. And <laughs> right. I like the color red. Yeah. So it had nothing to do. It was just like, it was just, you know, gang wars. It was blue and red. Like, yeah. Now that you say that, I think I, I like Pepsi because it's red, white, and blue. <laughs> I think that's what it is. But it's because of that little like brand distinction that mm. people resonate with the brand and then they become what's known as like uh, brand evangelists, right? Yes. Right. Ambassadors. Else and ambassadors, right? And they speak about it to everybody else and they promote it freely, even though they're not getting paid because that brand made a connection with the person. Yeah. They will continue to promote it, buy it, support it, you know, long way. Yeah. I think one of the best examples of that is Chipotle, uh, not Chipotle, uh, Chick-fil-A, um, which Chipotle is good too, but Chick-fil-A has this unbelievable cult following behind them that, you know, people will swear by it. Like for me, I love Ch uh, Chick-fil-A. There's no day where I don't crave it. <laughs> and so a big part of it, I think, is them being able to build such a personality behind the brand that people just enjoy the experience of going there. Of course, the service is a huge part of that brand and all that, but just the personality behind what they stand for or what they, how they operate, what they look like when they're going into the store, everything from start to finish, that's ultimately your brand. Um, I just find that so fascinating. Even the, the cow? The cow. <laughs> what an awesome ad campaign. Eat more it's chicken. Perfect. <laughs> it's so simple. It's perfect. Yeah. Like, you know, that a lot of times, like, what companies have to realize is that the more kind of down to earth and personal that they become and the more that people can relate, yeah. those are the people that are going to follow continually and support no matter what. Right. You know, right. And that's where a lot of them are missing because they're just business minded. You know, oh, what's the ROI? Why are you doing video? But Think about it. Like even me, like outside of the, the you know, food service industry and all that stuff, like if I were to refer somebody in that industry, I only know Melody. <laughs> right. you know so I would I would shoot his name like directly, like, oh do you know a guy who does this? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's brand, right? It's the it's the ability, it's a the ability to see somebody all the time and then all of a sudden their name pops up in your head when somebody asks, Oh, do you know somebody that does this? It's such a, um, such a funny way that our society works because, you know, they don't necessarily even have to be the best. I mean, they could be, exactly. but it's just seeing, seeing them so frequently that they get stuck in your head. Yeah. And not, and not only that, and also just like seeing the, the work being done, then I can kind of resonate and also get like a more personal feel. So it's kind of like, he's like, yeah. a friend, you know? Yeah, Rich and I talk about this all the time. We say that it's, we're building trust with our audience is what we're doing. And we're making it easier for somebody to call him and be like, listen, I want you to work on this special project because they see our in and out every single day. They see what he goes through in the office, what he goes through in the kitchen, what these techs are doing. Are they fixing it or not? You know, so that's building steady trust for this business, which makes it so much easier for warm leads or even freaking boiling leads, you know, for yeah, that. Exactly. For sure. And I think that's like, if, you know, as creative people in the industry, if we learn how to master that, yeah, show that, like that's, 
that's where the winning is. That's definitely where, where the win is. It's not, it's not about, you know, who's the better creator, who's learned all the techniques, who knows all the transitions. It's right. about who can the people relate with and who they connect with on a personal level. They're going to they're gonna follow, they're going to support no matter what, you know, what you're doing. It's so true. That's, so true. that's, that's, dope. that's, that's a big, that's a big key. Major keeler. Major key. <laughs> you, you need a buzzer in this podcast. I know, I <laughs> like a, what's that, that? <laughs> <laughs> the funk master flex noise. That's how you know we're from Jersey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let the song play, flex. Let the song play. Yeah, no, he'll, he'll cut it. He'll cut it. Oh, man, definitely. So then, so Angel, so what's, um, I guess we're kind of coming to like the, the winding down section, but what is like the, your future projects working on? Like even you as a personal creator, like what is your next move? Your kind of like next ambitions? Like what are you looking forward to? What can we expect to see from you? So definitely expect to see more podcasts from behind the creator. So my personal podcast mm-hmm. where I'm just interviewing people who I find interesting or, or have, are incredible creatives Anybody that's really doing something different within the world of creativity, I just want to explore that and talk to super interesting people and, and see what their perspective is. The last guest I had was like um, a model. She's like a, a fashion week model. And she was starting to teach other models, kind of giving them cl- crash courses on how to get into the industry and be safe in the industry and stuff like that. I found that super entertaining and super interesting. So more people like that. Also, as far as Malachi goes, um, definitely going to be building something consistent and something strong with them where we're looking at other uh, food service industry, uh, companies to, as, to, to get accounts, essentially, to be able to handle their social, to be able to be, to be that um, digital agency in the industry, that one, the one that you know to call. So that's going to take a ton of work, tons of money, tons of time, and um, I'm looking forward to learning. And uh, I think that's going to be one of the most interesting things that I have going for me within the future. That's dope. That's definitely good to hear. And I'm definitely going to be looking out for that podcast. I'm going to be Hell yeah. running on the side. And no, no, for sure. And um, I think, honestly, even, even this, this is, this is an industry, even though podcasts have been around a long time, but mm-hmm. you usually don't get, um, you know, you'll get like the CEOs and you'll get like the business owners and all those like big name people. Right. people who created the work you know like you can you can hear Gary V talk a whole bunch but yeah, I want to hear D-Rock I want to hear yeah what D-Rock has to say you know with um, everybody who's actually like you know creating the content making these people build amazing personal brands um, and yeah I think that's another thing like just us exposing like even the creatives and that aspect is um, it's great to let people know that there are humans and minds behind everything. Yes. It's just yes. not who's getting pushed out. It's not just, you know, iPhone apps and all this stuff. Like there's literal person who's giving their everything of yeah. them to create this piece and to tell the story and things like that. Yeah, it's it's all planned. It's all planned. And it's so so easy to think that like these people all they have it all in their head. And then they create it all, all by themselves and it all just comes out, you know, flawlessly when really there's teams and people who are strategically planning every little clip, every little scene, when every piece of content drops, 
all of that stuff is super articulated. So I think it's an important mission for for these kind of podcasts. Definitely, definitely. And then, so speaking on that, it's actually something that I don't get to ask a lot of people, but I, as a creator, I get to ask you. Okay. <laughs> all right, well, there's two questions. The first one is in your creative process, because there's this like, I don't know what it is that's out there that people just think that if you just record something or do something, it's just going to come out. It's just going to happen. <laughs> yes. Right? Yes. So, can you, can you please explain, like, is there some type of process that goes to before the camera even gets pulled out or before the, the logo gets designed? Like, yeah. Okay. So people that this exists, there's an infinite amount to this process. So let's say you get a call um, from somebody and say, Hey, I want you to come shoot for me. Uh, how much do you charge? Uh, that is probably the most superficial way to go about booking somebody to be your photographer, or your videographer, because there's so many variables, so many variables. You have to know where are we shooting? When are we shooting? How many cameras do I need to bring? Do I need to hire a second photographer? How much time will I have to edit? When is your release date? What does your timeline look like? All of those things have to be answered before I even say yes or no, I'll do it. And then from there, yeah, or, or give you a price. Yeah. So all of that varies because if it's just going to be a one shooter, then, and it's like you talking to the camera, it's like a little YouTube video, totally different price than like an interview set up on like a rooftop somewhere. You know, I need to make sure that the, the weather is going to be right. The light that there's going to be lighting or do I have to bring lighting? Do I have to rent extra camera equipment? <laughs> oh my God. So all of that before we even close on a price and even pull out a camera. Then when we get to the venue, we need an hour before approximately to set up, maybe more depending on the size. Then the, the shooting is I'd arguably the easiest part, arguably. The editing and the work that goes into the post-production is it takes longer than the shooting. So most of the time when you're shooting, uh, let's say video ads or stuff, I'm not talking cinematography, I'm not talking anything like that, but just simple video ads. It's maybe, I don't know, a two, three hour shoot and then you need a good solid week to figure out how you're going to structure this thing. How are you going to figure out where everything is going to go within the time frame? If it's a two minute video, you have to figure out, you have to go through all of this footage and figure out which parts are the most um, saturated with information or entertainment or value. And you have to clip all those together. It's not an easy process, but once all of that is done, then you have to get their approval. Then you have to go back and forth. I like this, but I don't like that. And then, <laughs> and then after that, either are you going to post it? Am I going to post it? What does that look like? Do you want me to do distribution? Are you going to put ad dollars behind this? Because if you are, then it would have to have some sort of call to action within it. Um, and yeah. then, of course, you need ad targeting. And so then it opens up a whole nother dimension. But that's pretty much my process. As far as workflow goes, um, I'm very, I like to be, that's probably where I'm the most organized in my whole life. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> I shoot with, with, I empty out all my, um, what do you call it? SD cards. I only shoot with the one from that day, put it right into my computer, take all of that footage, put it into a folder titled by the date. And from there I start working. And so that's kind of where, where my workflow goes, you know, it's right. One SD card computer hard drive and then from there i'll pull everything onto premiere and start chopping it up we'll just get lost in the wind and, <laughs> yeah. and then somebody will want you to add a scene 
that that you shot maybe two weeks back and you don't have that footage anymore because like where'd it go but yeah, if you have it all titled by the date, Dropbox or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, so I just want that because that that was a, that was a long answer. I'm sorry. It's perfect. It's just I want to make sure that people get this clear. So yeah, especially when it comes to any type of whether it's photos, video, local design. Whenever something's being created, there is definitely a process. Yes. And a lot of times what is said or done before will determine everything. Yeah, it's funny in, in the food industry, Rich says it all the time, pay me now or pay me later. And a lot of times when you're paying later, it's gonna be more, right? So a lot of people don't like to do the preliminary stuff to make sure that the outcome is streamlined and to the point. But if you take all of that extra time, say we want this, this and that and be as super detailed as possible, odds are it's gonna take less time and it's going to be easier for yourself and the client to communicate. Easy. Yeah, no, no. And, and I get into, and I, I'm going to put it out there. I get into this argument all the time with, <laughs> <laughs> with you know, with different, with our own, like, um, you know, disrupt content and also with clients. And, you know, a lot of times, like, even I feel bad, like, I'll think and I'm like, oh my God, am I just being like the creator? And I'm not thinking as like a, you know, business owner or this or whatever or consumer. Right. Um, no, they're like, we need to know where is it going to be published? How long the video is going to be? Yeah. What, what's the message? Um, you know, every, like all these things, if it's for, if it's for marketing, if it's for personal users, it's going on a website, it's going on YouTube, like all these things you need to know in order to streamline things and to make it so much easier. Because, right. you know, and I tell them all the time, I was like, right, let me know where is this going for what medium? Because then I can prepare the, the size. You know, if it's, a, if it's a logo, you need to know yeah. it. If you're making an infinite size, if you're making one for stickers, if you're making one that's going to go on a, you know, on the corner of a website, like a one by one and a 300 by 300, essentially the same thing, but it's not. Right. Because if you start to work on a one by one and then you try to enlarge it, you're done. Right. 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 <laughs> so definitely, I feel like everybody like should understand this that uh, the pre-process or what they call like the brand strategy or the yes. strategy. Or what Christo calls it, exploration, right? I think that's what he calls it. The most important part of the whole creative thing because if that's clear for the client, mm. clear for the creative or, you know, whoever's doing the work, then it's like that perfect harmony. But a lot of so, times what happens is that the clients, you know, they're not clear. You need clarity, you need clarity because yes. You just say, oh, we just need a video, a quick video. That does, a quick video does not mean anything. You know? <laughs> yeah. Is it 30 seconds? Is it one minute? <coughs> Instagram. Yeah. Instagram. I can give you a quick video right now. Take out your phone. <laughs> yeah. Put it on video and take the video. There you go. Quick video. Yeah. No, no. And then, and you know, it's important to know because then that's where the, you know, the second edit, the third edit, the fourth edit comes in. And honestly, that wastes everybody's time. Yes. Because the client isn't getting their product. They can't push it out. You know, the video. Right. And it's funny, like talking about client relationships, it's, it's all, it always feels like the creative wants those edit fees, but it's not comfortable for us. It, it's not something that we want. We're not looking forward to charging edit fees or doing edits. It's something that we were trying to uh, avoid from the beginning. So when that happens, it's not because a creative wants to charge you more. It's usually because we need to solve this problem and it might take more time and the time is just as valuable as the product no and a lot of times it's not even just uh, a re-edit sometimes it has to be a whole reshoot yeah 
because for whatever reason, like, you know, and I'm, there was a client we worked on recently and their like head director of that group mm. resigned or quit uh, it was, like a week after we shot. So could you, could you imagine shooting the lead person of a company, <laughs> putting him in all of the, all of the shots yeah. and then trying to take him out? Oh man. You know, so it was like, yeah. And it was, and I understand it wasn't on our, our fault on our side. It wasn't a fault on the, on the direct, you know, client side. But right. It is what it is. Like there's no way you can salvage that. There has to be a reshoot. Yeah. Big time. The company has to understand that it's not that we want to reshoot it, but in order for us to present this property, I can't just like CGI somebody out. Right? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> video shop. We got a video shop. <laughs> that's not the way to do it. But you know, and there's, there's things like that, but I feel like it comes down to clarity. And mm. one thing that I do want to say that I think will benefit is as the creative, we do have to take responsibility. Yes. So since we're the ones doing the work, we do have to make the connection with the client, jump on a call or in a meeting and be like, okay, we have to talk about what is it that you exactly want? What's the outcome? What are the deliverables? You know, and all these things, because in the end, that's only going to, it's going to help everybody. Everybody's going to be happy. Right. Uh, the product is going to get pushed out. It's going to be done and it's going to be just, you know, smooth sailing. Yeah. And to be fair, that was one of the biggest things that I struggled with just trying to evolve as a business owner, um, the ability to communicate and ask the right questions to every single client that you work with. It's, it's like a, a, an invaluable skill. Yeah. Like there's, there's nothing more important when you're on your, on your own doing freelance artwork or anything than to be able to communicate with your customers. And I've, I mean, that's been one of my biggest things because I'm not somebody that just freely over communicates. It's something that I have to learn and I've had to learn as a business owner. And I'm very introverted. Like after this, I'm going to go like sit in silence. <laughs> but, <laughs> but that's one of the main things that I think separate a successful project from a not successful project is your ability as pretty much the, the head person, the key person in this project to communicate and, and express, okay, this is what's expected. This is what will be delivered. This is when, this is how, all of that. And um, with, without that, you're, you're kind of doomed. No, no, yeah, for sure. And, and I know, you, like, I know that same feeling, like, as, as extroverted as we seem on, on social media and whatever, but every creative is, like, that person that's just, like, in their own room, <laughs> like, just hidden. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, it's something that everybody should take into account that, yes, you are the creative person, you're creating whatever medium that is, mm. but you also have to be the person who communicates, who talks, who who projects that vision so that the other people can also relate and understand. Yeah, absolutely, man. I think, I think that um, that's another interesting conversation maybe for another day, but just the fact that not, nobody is exactly who they are on social media. There's always underlying levels to them. And I feel, and this is me personally, I feel like that's okay. And that's a good thing. Like if everybody was exactly who they were authentically, completely transparent on social media, so it would be, Twitter would be even worse. Yeah, <laughs> people already like to to lose. Yeah, so I mean, I think it's a good thing that we we kind of put our own highlights together and we say this is who I desire to be. This is what I portray myself to be. It's aspirational. It's your own mood board. Yeah. It's your own journal. 
No, no, and that's very true. Just like, you know, not to expound too much, but what you were saying about social media is definitely, um, I feel like some people feel the need to like have to express or show everything. Right. But like you said, you don't have to. It's what you want to show. And, you know, there's a lot of things in my personal life that I, I just don't share because it has nothing to do with our friendship. It has nothing to do with our business relationship. Right. It has like, it's just, it's one thing has nothing to do with the other. So, there's no reason for me to have to try to marry everything, you know? Right. And right. if people know me for, uh, for photography work or videography work or whatever, then that's mm. what I'm going to put out because that's what we resonate. Then if for whatever reason we hit one of those other, you know, layers or sections, then maybe I might expound on that with that one person that should know or needs yeah. to know. Yeah. And, and a quick little story about that. I won't take up much time, but when I was running, I had, I had like a blog that I used to update kind of like a uh, Buzzfeed-ish, right? When it, just to kind of get in the groove of learning. This was when I first, first ended my, my old job when I first left there. Um, it, I was growing rapidly and I, I expressed a little bit of a political opinion. Like I pretty, I pretty much, you know, kind of came out with it. And um, I lost like a good three, four hundred followers, like within an hour. Yeah. Yeah. It was bad. So uh, it was a, a lesson well learned. Like if you're actively trying to grow, you know, stick to the things that people are actually following you for. Yeah. No, no. And there was, um, just to touch up on, there's another podcast, a close friend of mine who's also going to be on the show. Mm. He had a podcast called The Hysteric Hour. <laughs> he spoke about the, um, I don't know the guy's name, top of the head, but he's, he was one of the directors for um, the Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, uh, J- James Gunn. James Gunn, yeah. So he was yeah. talking about like how his Twitter and his opinion and all that kind of like, yeah, you know, sub, yeah. And I was just like, man, but it's so true. Like, if you would just stuck to like previews of the movie or like his <laughs> thoughts on like the the character plot, like everything would have been good. Yeah. I heard um, this guy from a band called the 1975. His name is Matt Healy. He said, um, social media for him isn't a problem because for him, social media is what he does. It's not who he is. And I thought that was super profound right? and super valuable to anybody that's in this industry, man. Like you are not your Instagram. <laughs> you know, it sounds stupid, but it, it can be what you do. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. Man, that <laughs> <laughs> got deep, man. That got yeah. deep. <laughs> this is good, honestly, and this is you know this is honest the the exact reason why I want to do this is because even like you know for so long like you know I've known you but when did we really get a chance to actually just like talk yeah yeah you know, talk and kind of like expound and like and this is what I kind of want to bring back and like reveal is just that that human connection again even on a on a digital level, yeah. <laughs> even, even though you're uh, you're making a big leap in this in this near future, and uh, uh, Jersey is not in the cards for you, I understand. Yeah, <laughs> no, no, but for sure. And you know, I keep telling everybody the 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 first part of these podcasts is basically obviously like the audio, but the real second part is kind of you know an in person going through the creative process. Right. You know, I really want to like you know when I'm back in Jersey, I'm gonna I'm gonna find you. We're going to spend a day together. Let's do it. <laughs> we'll follow you around while you work. And basically, you know, kind of like to match the person with the work that they're doing. And that's going to be like the ultimate, just like, this God, is, you know, super cool. Field and stuff like that. So, um, so that way everybody can get the whole picture of not like what you're saying. They can see it in action. 
Right, right. I love that, man. So, yeah, no, I guess it's fine because I get to meet everybody again. <laughs> but, uh, oh, yeah. Actually, it's, you know, it's funny, really quick. Um, I think it was yesterday, um, Cafe 46, they, they liked up the picture that I posted of you. Oh, uh, that's cool. <laughs> but, you know, it's been like so long ago, but just yesterday, they like, you know, they gave up. It's like, Ooh, this is interesting. It's yeah, the owner there is nice. Yeah, they love the fact. That I saw I was there the other day, and they were filming a bunch of stuff again. Oh yeah, Just, yeah, random people. So I think they're taking a liking to that. Oh, that's no, that's perfect. It's a way to market. Yeah, people's because obviously, like we're there, they let us use the space. So you know, we're gonna like mention them and visit again because right. they made that uh, connection. You know, for sure. Oh, Angel, before we we close up, I'm gonna ask everybody this and. If you were to give one piece of advice that you think is the most vital that you've learned that you wish to see creatives like implement more or at least keep in mind, mm. then what would that piece be? Um, it, it's funny because this is something I learned very recently, but um, I'd have to say it's uh, don't necessarily follow your passion, follow good opportunities. <clears throat> That's a, it's a micro quote. But <laughs> it's a micro quote, but it hit me so hard because I feel like it's a it's a misconception that we get a lot in, in especially in America here that, you know, you just have to follow your passion, follow your heart, follow your dreams. Mm -hmm. But when opportunities come up that may not exactly align to that, you have to be willing to kind of risk uh, going off track a little bit to get yourself to the place where you want to be. For sure. And that's that's solid. I think um, recently was Dan Locke, I think mentioned it. Mm. Uh, you know, it's a, the Eastern like philosophy. Mm. Is do what's going to make you money. Yeah. You know, yeah. Secure, secure, secure the bank, secure the family, make sure everything's good. But yeah. the Western mentality is what's the dream, the passion, the, your calling. <laughs> yeah. You know? yeah. So, but he, but he kind of mentioned up on that. Like, it's true. You have to find those opportunities. And then once you have those opportunities, then you have a choice to follow your passion. Yes, mm -hmm. yes. Mm -hmm. A lot of us are trying to change the world before we can change our bedrooms. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> well said, well said. For sure, bro. So then, so for people to follow you, to find you, and you know, continue to keep in step with all your creative work, where is the best place that they can find you? So Instagram is my go-to. Um, it's my, the platform that I use the most. So at underscore angel media, uh, just like it sounds, angel then media. Media, perfect. Yeah. And then on LinkedIn too, Angel Quiroz, Q-U-I-R-O-Z. Perfect, and I'll leave definitely those links in the description so you can follow him. And Angel Brother, it's been fantastic catching up with you again. Thank you so much, even though it's like short notice, but this is this gives me so much life. Like right now, I'm, I'm ready to like, subscribe. <laughs> another six hours and you're ready to edit six more videos no, that's exactly <laughs> what i'm gonna do after this. Oh, Hell yeah, no, man. Dude, it, it's been a serious pleasure man thank you for having me on no, i really enjoyed it time. i know you're doing you know a video a day and for sure that's not easy just, <laughs> just posting a, a photo a day is difficult yeah <laughs> so a video a day is, is you know and definitely you know keep up the good work and you know even though i might not communicate as much through social media but i see you know everything and i'm always like rooting cheering looking for for the in the opportunity to to even share your work with others and mention you so 
I appreciate that, man. Seriously. And likewise, you know, I'm always throwing out super Manny, bro. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> it's, 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 I'm, I'm getting there. I'm, I'm making those moves, but like you said, I got to find out, got to chase the opportunity and then the passion. That's right, man. That's right. Thank you again, everybody. This was Angel Kitos. Follow him on Instagram at underscore Angel Media. And this will be the end of this episode of the super creators podcast and remember each and every one of you are super creators you just have to find your super power and with that i will end it till next time guys